Welcome back to another episode of the Skits and Giggles podcast. For this one, I got to sit down with Helena Lazova at the lovely place that is the studio for her own YouTube series called Into Steep. In the first for the Skits and Giggles podcast, we did record the video too, so you can head on over to our YouTube channel if you prefer watching rather than just listening in. In our chat, we cover a lot of ground, starting with Helena's journey with Ride Roar, where she is trying to break the narratives which paint unrealistic pictures of what it means to ride and to be a cyclist, particularly for women. We get to hear about her approach to design a female-specific pair of cycling bibs, their take on more inclusive events and, of course, all the laughs that go into creating content that supports her mission. With a background in rowing at the highest levels of the sport, Helena has a great perspective on what makes the different communities and disciplines so special and what they could learn from each other to make the sport more fun for everyone. For more information about this episode and the Skits and Giggles podcast, please follow the links in the description. To support the podcast, you can just share it with your writing buddies or leave us a five-star rating on your favorite platform. But for now, please kick back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Helena. Welcome to the Skits and Giggles podcast, one hell of a Helena. How are Yay! you going? <laughs> a little uh, Instagram cameo in there. I like it. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm good. I'm a bit sore. I went to the gym yesterday for the first time in so long and my muscles are like shaking right now. You can't see it, but I promise I'm not feeling physically <laughs> in my prime. Okay. Are you doing the normal thing, which is like you think back to the last time where you went to the gym and how much weight you put on and that's where you start. No, I started with the smallest weights they had there because I knew. <laughs> no, it's really, really been a long time. And uh, I went all in with like deadlifts and stuff. Ooh. Yeah, which is a brave move. And RDLs, like Romanian deadlifts. So my hamstrings are fucked. Oh, can I swear? Of course you can. Okay, they're fucked. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I also have to thank you for welcoming us to uh, Stoke Limited headquarters here in <laughs> a beautiful Stanz. Yeah, thanks. It's not the official address, but that's okay. Okay, well, it is a beautiful space. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not quite sure if we're going to put up the video. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. But well, now you're uh, getting people excited when you say the exactly. words video. Yeah. Exactly. So, so maybe this is going to be an experiment with, uh, with the video. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm stoked to have you on. Um, I can hold that in the camera. My notes are pretty short and there's really only two, two big story things that I want to talk about. Um, you were at the house the other day. We had our dinner. Um, unfortunately, we talked a lot more about romance and how me and my wife met and not about what you do in cycling. And that's actually something I was really, really interested in. Um, so today I really want to talk about Ride War mm -hmm. and, uh, and the stuff you guys are doing and want to achieve. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe for the listener that I've never heard of Ride Roar, can you lay out a little bit what, uh, what you're trying to do with, uh, with Ride Roar and what it is? Yeah, I guess the easiest way to start is with the story of kind of how things got rolling. Um, so Lucas, my partner, has this sock company, as you know, Dirty Socks, shout out. And they started producing some like cycling gear, like jerseys and shorts. And I got a pair of the women's shorts and I was kind of like, why are they this length and not the same length as your shorts? And why do they have like different cuts and all this kind of thing? And he didn't really have an answer for me. And I thought it was kind of a shame to be so close to production or like have that capacity to, to do something and not do anything about it. So I decided to host a workshop with women in Lucerne and I told them to bring all their favorite cycling shorts or their least favorite. And we would just like throw it on the table and pick it apart and say, what, what kind of elements do you like and what's like a no-go? And we also did a survey. And then we took all that information and found out that there were a few things that women definitely wanted to solve when it came to their cycling shorts, and namely the pee-friendly or pee-not-friendly nature of the bib shorts. Oh, sure. And so I was like, we got to do this. Um, and there are a few brands that have like certain solutions to it, but I didn't find they were super accessible, like from price point. And I also didn't feel like the solution was that good. So drove to Italy, um, met with the producer and kind of went to the drawing board on this. And then we had a couple of prototypes and 
that was kind of really the like first trigger for the whole thing. And what happened was I, I wanted to bring this into Dirty Socks, but at the time they had a partner in the company who was not super open to having someone who's in the relationship with another person in the company. And I totally get that. That's fair. Um, I wasn't looking to be like in the company, you know, structure itself. I just wanted to say, hey, let's improve these products if we can. Um, but basically, yeah, that wasn't happening. So I said, okay, I'll do it on my own. And I was riding behind somebody one day and I was trying not to get dropped. And I was thinking, oh, I need somebody, something on this shorts ahead of me to like inspire me. I was like, oh, I need like, I need, I need like <laughs> something to help me push through this climb. And that's how the name Ride Roar came about because it's like the literal sound you kind of make that when you're fighting for something or like a grunt or the, the lion's roar, whatever you want to call it. Headwind is my was my first thought when yeah, I ride in the yeah. headwind. I'm usually one that curses into the headwind, uh, <laughs> but I can also see that like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's hard. I mean, you know, with anything, finding a name that's like unique and has an Instagram handle that isn't already oh, yeah. taken or like a web address and all this stuff is always a challenge. So yeah, kind of went, went on from there. And then we also designed a, a jersey and we came up with the, the B logo, which is our symbol for community and working together towards a common goal because the bees, yeah, they're stronger when they work together. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like how the symbols came about and how the community started to grow. And then we decided to start hosting some events um, and just all, all of the things that we do, whether it be the actual shorts or the events or the content that we create is just aimed at reducing barriers and, and empowering women, whether it be on the bike or anywhere else in their lives, um, just show them that we're here for them and that kind of anything, anything is possible. Um, and cycling is such like a powerful tool, as I'm sure you you are familiar with as well, for like self-empowerment and learning. Yeah, you are capable of stuff. So, Absolutely. Um, the, I mean, obviously the, the, the question is, okay, yes, you started with the product mm. and how do you get to, to community, right? Because, you know, yes, you can unite around a pair of bibs that are easy to pee in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but how do you get to, to community and how are you trying to cross the bridge to, you know, being a bit more than just, uh, yeah. you know, a pair of bibs, basically? Yeah. So I think the community started, again, with that workshop, yeah. just bringing people literally together. Um, and the way we think of these three, we call them our three pillars. So the, the, the shorts, the product and the events and then the content it's kind of how I picture like the bubbles of scaling out. So our community is obviously very local to Switzerland. Um, it's going to be hard to come to one of our events or we've had some girls from like Germany, but um, the events are, are Switzerland based. And then the product, I feel like, okay, yeah, we can send that around, but mostly also Switzerland. Um, and then finally the content is really where the potential is for, for scale. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's how we kind of see our, our impact. Like I have this visual of these like poo, 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 little rings that reach out into the world. Um, and something really cool that happened after we created this like YouTube series from the 24 hour race and shits. I had like a woman from Spain reach out to me on Instagram and she was like, I just watched all the episodes and translated them for my boyfriend and made made him watch them with me. And to me, that's just like incredible. So that the community, yes, okay, it's events and this kind of thing, but it also has the potential to reach other countries and other people around the world. It's nuts. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. we, we made the exact same experience. Yes, of course, very different context. But uh, because we do have such a, a varied spectrum of topics mm. that have on the one hand they, yes they always have like a local relevance but some of them they are yeah. a pretty global thing and we get like the most random messages like you know the other day we get something from from new zealand or from the u.s and yeah. so, you know stuff like the trail building topic which is a very universal um topic and the challenges are, are very very similar across across the globe or 
you know, being small brands that then all of a sudden start to link up and work together and, and all that sort of stuff. So that's that's really cool. And you obviously always underestimate um, kind of uh, how far your reach really is, right? Because, mm. yes, we do put some effort into socials, like Instagram mainly, or, you know, cross-posting to Pink Pike and stuff like that. Um, but you never know really where it where it goes and who actually finds it. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, I guess, the power of, of, of content, right? So content creation. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And I should say, too, when it comes to, like, community, when I first moved here to Switzerland, I tried to create a platform for athletes, kind of like an Airbnb, but for sport. Mm. Um, actually, like Dario Colonia now started basically a very similar concept with that. So I, I created this website called Rentleet, mm. where athletes could offer their services um, for a price instead of, you know, just fundraising money and not giving anything in return to create a little bit of that exchange. And the thing I noticed with that is I was I was trying to create an offer without having like a, a contact to the community. Yeah. So my lesson, and I mean, the website still exists, probably, I don't know, don't go on it. But yeah. um, it died, like the idea died, no one was using it. And I had a lot of struggles with it. And my biggest lesson from that was like, okay, I got to start community first. So yeah. that's why it was so important for me to host that workshop and to hear what people are saying and to say, where are your needs? Where are your pain points? Yeah. And I think a lot of people say that in, in business, but rarely do you have time as a business to spend time with these people. And so what's cool is that I'm like literally integrated into that community and on the output side. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the other problems that you're trying to to tackle? Yes, obviously you meant product yeah. or uh, mentioned product, but uh, are there other problems that you're trying to tackle? Of course, as a very open topic. Yeah. And uh, what are the main ones? I mean, the shorts are a metaphor for me. I guess it's a literal product, but it's this idea of products are being created for women without necessarily knowing what those needs are. Um, and so even though, yes, we're solving solving this problem of we want to wear bib shorts and we have to undress everything to go pee, it's like really a representation of women trying to integrate into a world, into a sport where they haven't been thought of from the get-go, right? All these products were built with men in mind. And now as a reflex, we're like, okay, throw some pink on it and say, yeah, that's the women's product. Um, so I think that is the physical side of it. But for me, it's really also about changing that narrative the other way around. Mm. Um, I think culturally we have a, a long way to go and what kind of started the Instagram handle was I kept seeing these really perfect depictions of what it meant to be a cyclist. Um, you know how Instagram is like everyone looks like super banging all the time. And then you get on the bike and you're like, oh, I'm far away from oh, looking yeah. like a 10 out of 10. Well, and there's like also the like a billion different secret handshakes. And this is how you wear this. And this yeah. is how you have to look. And, you know, and obviously it's just a big can of worms. Um, there are others that are working in a, in a, in a similar way, in a similar um let's say niche or well, it's not actually a niche it's you know a similar space mm. um have you been in touch with like someone like the velolas or someone that try to achieve the a similar thing just in mountain biking in more specific terms yeah we we've are we follow them um i think i might have reached out to them like when we had our last event to see if anyone from the road biking or like someone who does both was interested in joining our events we don't collaborate that much and that's something I've seen as also a barrier is a lot of the time it feels very competitive um, when it comes to these things because everyone wants to be the thing. Um, and Which I, is a problem in and of itself. Yeah, and <laughs> but again, it goes into this culture um, and I've spoken about this before on, on the Instagram account is that women a lot of the time think that there isn't room for all of us on the road. Um, that if you, like it used to be like women just started cycling with their partners or whoever. Um, and then if another woman came along, it kind of threatened maybe your own 
feelings of like, oh, do I belong here now? Because I used to be the only woman. And if I was getting dropped, it was okay because I was the woman, right? But now there's another girl who's also dropping me. So what does that make me? Um, so I think, obviously, I love to see more women on the road, but sometimes we don't necessarily know what that relationship is like. And same thing with these like communities or other handles or, or whatever you want to call it, brands. Um, I think it's hard not to feel threatened by each other and that someone else's success doesn't underestimate my own success. Mm. And I don't know, that's just the way I feel. And maybe I overthink things a lot. Well, I know I do. Um, but I think that's a bit of a bit of the struggle of like, I can be happy for someone else being successful. I think it's nuts. Like you look on Instagram and you see a friend of yours looks beautiful or wow, she did like Strava, perfect example. I come home, I did a killer ride. I'm super proud of myself. I upload it. And then I see a friend of mine did twice as many kilometers and twice as many elevation meters. And suddenly I don't feel so good about myself. Why is that? Why can I not feel proud of her and of myself at the same time? That is true. Uh, this, yeah. I mean, it obviously is kind of uh, the the whole issue that a lot of people take with, uh, with with these not only fitness, social networks, but also whatever, be it pure physicality like Instagram and all these other things mm -hmm. that I'm far too old for. <laughs> um, is Yeah, so it, it leads to this, you know, you're only sharing like the best um, version of yourself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I know a lot of people on Strava and they don't admit to it, but they do that. They literally only show like the gnarliest stuff on their Crazy. on the thing. And then they don't share like the commutes or the... Because I'm like super transparent. Yes, I ride a lot. And, you know, maybe a third, even some years, half of my riding has been on the trainer. Mm -hmm. And I don't really care. I mean, it's like, why are you sitting only on the trainer? What the hell are you doing? You're not even riding. It's like, well, you know. Yeah. It's it's the package, right? So that's that's it's all. I don't want to create that um, view of myself. If ever someone looks at me and is like, "How does he does it? Mm -hmm. How does he do it?" I don't want to create that perspective yeah, that yeah. it's like, "Well, he only has like two gnarly rides in a year, where he's like doing three hundred kilometers and twenty thousand meters of climbing, or whatever yeah. it is." Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like if you look at it in 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 summary. It it you know should make sense I guess but yeah. Uh, but yeah I, you know I see how that can yeah it's a competitive uh, judgmental space and so I think what I try to do with that is go far off the other end so look really stupid and look really silly and show hey that's okay too even if you wear the things you're not supposed to wear you're still a cyclist even if you ride ten kilometers and not a hundred you're still a cyclist um, and that's super hard. It's hard to ac accept. Also for myself, I struggle with that all the time. And that's why I feel really passionate about sharing that because I'm in that journey as well. Mm. But yeah, that, I noted that, you know, cruising through your <laughs> Instagram, I mean, some of the reels you put together, they're like <laughs> hilarious. And I can, I can see how that would just drive a traditionalist completely nuts, mm. right? Like wearing baseball caps under your helmet or... I don't know, jorts with a, yeah. with a lycra jersey or whatever it is, right? Yeah. But I mean, it's just like people need to relax. Yeah. And I sometimes I feel like mountain biking is a bit better in that because True. there is just, uh, you know, I don't know why, but there's a bit more fluidity between the different yeah. genres of mountain biking. And in some areas, it's okay to wear lycra and others it's not and baggies and t-shirts and this and that. Um, but, uh, but road cycling... It's crazy, even amongst men, right? So there is this fun thing. And, it, you know, you, know, you meant, mentioned that, you know, only the best version of yourself and Instagram and this and that. And then Peter Sagan, one of the biggest stars of the sport, gets slaughtered <laughs> in social media because he didn't shave his legs for the first three months of the year. Oh, really? I didn't see that. I mean, how, how <laughs> is that? Awesome. What is yeah, that? Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, people are so quick to say, like, this is uh, what's right and what's wrong. Something I thought was maybe similar to that in mountain biking could be, like, the e-bike introduction, right? Like, that maybe got a lot of hate at the beginning as well. Like, if you're riding an e-bike, you're not a real mountain biker. Or I don't know how you see that 
evolving. I'm pretty, I'm pretty relaxed. I think at this stage, I accept it as just another bike. Yeah. Um, I, I personally don't ride e-bikes, but I can see why someone would want to re- ride an e-bike. Um, yeah, it's just another tool. And every person out on two wheels having fun in the sunshine or in the weather or outdoors in general is a net positive for me. And, you know, if that person is, instead of sitting on the couch and doing nothing, is buying himself an e-bike to do his half an hour in the forest or whatever, then that's a net net positive for me. Yeah, but what do you think the culture, like, that's your perspective, but what do you think, like, the overall vibe is from the community? Well, I guess... uh, yeah, it's, it's exactly that, right? So I think it's starting to be accepted yeah. as just another just another bike, mm-hmm, right? As mm-hmm. it's the same as, you know, you can, one person can be on a cross-country bike and one person on an enduro bike, they can go for a ride together. So right. what's the big deal of having a third person with an e-bike? Yeah. Speaking of, I just, two, three weeks ago, we're, you know, we're on a, on a mountain bike weekend in, uh, in, in the mountains and uh, yeah, it was a mixed group. They were like... Mm-hmm. There was 10 guys on trail bikes and one guy on e-bikes. It worked out perfectly fine. Yeah. Right? For me, it's no big deal. I know there are the purists that will never accept anything Mm -hmm. in the sport changing. And I think that's what it is, right? It's just accepting change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That's the same as 25 years ago when disc brakes came. They were like... (laughs) Oh my God! Why do we need disc brakes? They are loud, and they, they you know, the rotors bend, and V brakes are the the best thing ever. Yeah. It's like hello. Yeah. Or dropper posts. I mean, yes, I'm admitting I was a holdout too, but um, it's a complete game changer and opens up the sport for many more people. Wait, what was the holdout for dropper posts? What was like? It's just because I had a, a very long hiatus from mountain biking, and uh, because of when I moved away to 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 London, I, I rode road mm-hmm. most yep. of the time, and uh, and when I came back, I just returned to to mountain biking and was like, okay, I got you know, yes, twenty ers are a cool thing for me. I'm pretty tall. Um, disc brakes, yes, they finally work. I had one of the first bikes with disc brakes, mm-hmm. um, so amazing, and then and the dropper post was just kind of. Not great yet, and certainly in the in the stuff that I was doing cross country, but like super heavy and yeah, kind of like okay. I was like, oh, I learned in the '90s the hard way. I can do this, no worries. <laughs> and then I think 2017, I was like, yeah, let's. I even did the BC bike race on a on a high post and not a dropper post, which is like one of the gnarliest cross country stage races. Crazy. Um, but yeah, so it's just a cultural thing that. You know, people shouting at clouds. They don't want change. They yeah. want, you know, they want stuff to stay the same. And mm-hmm. accepting that the sport is changing, right? We have the same discussion in, you know, the whole trail building space, right? Because you have, let's say, traditionalists that are like, well, you know, we used to ride these old hiking trails and they were super gnarly and mega difficult and that's what I want. And, why are we building all these flow trails and mm, this and right. that, right? But the thing is, we need to accept that the sport is not just for punks anymore mm. and outlaws. It's become a popular sport for every man and every woman. Yep. And per definition, you need to have much more easier trails. It's just a simple thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the same with... Uh, with that, accepting that and accepting that change that, you know, yes, there's a lot more machine-built trays, trails. And yes, we need to accept that, you know, we can't just use every single hiking trail. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's just because you need to, there's many different users and we need to find a way to coexist, right? Mm-hmm, so that's, mm-hmm. anyway, it's a very long, very long discussion and I'm talking too much. So I'm bringing <laughs> it, I'm, tra- I'm bringing it back to Ride Roar and, um, and I guess, uh, if you look back, so how long have you been going on the, with this? I think the first workshop we had was uh, kind of like December two. It'll be two years ago now. Yeah. Okay. Which is crazy. Yeah. What are some of the, the feel good stories apart from the apart from the bibs? You mentioned I, shirts. I want to I want to hear more about shirts later. But yeah. apart from shirts and the bibs, what are the feel good stories? Yeah, it's really it's really just the small small little bits of feedback. Um, messages from from other women saying either I saw something of yours and it really 
struck a chord with me and I really appreciate that or getting pictures of girls wearing our, our socks. We also made these like fearless socks and it's, it's just these little, little moments of like, okay, maybe this is, is really truly doing some good in the world. Or I love when I'm on the bike and I see someone who I maybe didn't know before wearing the shorts or wearing the socks and I pass by and I'm like, oh my gosh, freaking out. Like, or I had a friend send me a picture. Um, she was in, where is it that people go cycling in Spain all the time? Is it Mallorca? I don't know. Yeah. Somewhere, she was somewhere there and she was like at brunch at a hotel and she like took a creepy zoomed in picture of some person who I also didn't even know who it was <laughs> wearing the shorts, like at the juice machine. Okay. And I was like, what? That's so crazy to me. Um, so yeah, just to feel like that snowball effect. And then also our events have been super cool. So I had a friend who worked with like, or actually she still works there, um, for chasing Conchalada. Yep. And you know, they, they have this like grand fondo series and we had a session once where we were talking like, what, why do you not have women signing up for the events? And I had this idea that maybe this huge distance and this like A to B starting finish line point maybe wasn't the best like structure for getting women involved because you have like a start and a finish and then a whole lot of time in between oh, where yeah. anything can happen. And I don't know how to fix this. And what if I blow up? Um, and so I had this idea to do what we now call a hive ride. Mm which is a series of little mini rides that always come back to the hive, yeah. um, which we've done at like sport to go centers um, last year in, in Bern and the year before in Stanz, so that you can always come back to the hive. You can get drinks. So we had coffee from like vertical coffee roaster girls or Barista Roman. And if you want to continue and you want to do the second loop, you can, if you're saying, mm, that's enough for me, I'm going to go home. I had fun. Um, you can do that as well. So it's like, okay, there's the opportunity to do a challenge, to do that hundred K if you want, but if it's too much or whatever, mm. it's also good. Um, and the first year we did it here in Stanz was middle of April. I woke up a couple centimeters of snow. Oh, nice. I could have, I think I might have cried. I cry a lot at things. So it's very likely. And I was like, nobody's going to show up. Fuck. Okay. But we head down anyways. We start setting things up. The vertical girls show up as well. Start like they drove all the way um, with their big coffee wagon to, to help set up. I was like, fuck, nobody's going to show up. And 10 minutes in, like a group of six women in full, you know, rain, winter, everything gear, pull up on their bikes. And again, I could have started crying. I was so moved. People I didn't know, never met before. They came from Zurich. They came from Basel with the, with the train together. And I see them pull up and I was like, holy shit. I felt so inspired. I was like, if these women, you know that that day, no one would have gone riding alone, right? Like you oh, look sure, at your window, yeah. you're like, I'm never gonna, why would I go? But because we had the power of each other. We still went for a ride mm. and that was crazy. And it was so fucking cold. Like everyone had plastic bags over their feet and we rode and it was like snowing. And then in the afternoon it was raining and hailing and it was so gnarly. And I was so proud of these women because literally no one else was on the road that day except for us. And it feels so cool to ride in such a big group of women and everyone's staring at you um, or cheering for you. Like, that's so cute. And it's it feels so good. And I think sometimes big group rides are kind of tough because you don't always get to do what you want to do. You maybe want to do a bigger ride or ride faster or less breaks or whatever. Um, but there's something so magical about that and about feeling the power of the group and it doesn't matter if you only did 40k with like less than 20 kilometer average because it was about so much more than that somehow so yeah those have been really really big highlights I think for me like literally getting to see people happy and excited and getting good feedback from them and all of our events have had really good feedback I always send out a survey after and like net promoter score all that stuff 10 out of 10 so okay yeah <laughs> nice oh you're being very scientific about like uh yeah collecting the feedback yeah well it's important for me to know that we are again actually answering the needs of the women mm. so during our high rides we also do like a mechanic workshop yep in the first year we did changing the tires and then we got some feedback saying hey 
it's really great, but also I'd like to learn how to change my brakes. So then that's how we integrated that into this year. Mm. Um, and that's just always so good to practice. Also in the winter, I think it was like last February or January, we went to Cafe Kranz in Lucerne and just did changing the tires. We drank wine and changed tires. And that was the thing. We're like, it's just something you have to practice like 10 times over and then you get it. Because you mm. don't change the tire. Maybe in mountain biking, it's a little bit different. But yeah, you get a flat tire twice a year, maybe. And then you're like, oh shit, what do I do again? Mm. So yeah. Yeah, but it's very empowering, right? Because I mean, a friend of mine has a, has a bike shop, right? And it's like people walking in with a you know with their city bike with a flat tire yeah. and it's like oh can you help me yeah it's like wow right it's like two minutes of work if you're pretty yeah. talented for maybe 10 minutes if you're if you're doing it for the, the second time or third time i definitely time. need 10 minutes but yeah yeah but i mean it's it's like something uh, that is is achievable for for most people right. and it's just feels or i can see how that feels very empowering if you can show someone to you know fix a very common yeah. problem yeah. themselves right so well it's not only that it's like having that confidence in yourself, okay, suddenly I feel okay doing a bigger loop mm. on my bike because I know if something happens, I can take care of myself. And I think that's a huge, huge tool to have with you or even these grand fondos or whatever, just knowing you can figure shit out yourself is, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, you're obviously that's, those are the feel good ones. But uh, I guess what are your your biggest uh, three to dos? Oh my gosh! That you want to achieve, still have to to achieve your mission. Hmm. I think probably consistency is the biggest challenge. Um, I or we work really hard to get those women to come to those events. Like you really got to push for it, sending newsletters and all that stuff. And I would love for, for it to be a little bit more of that spin wheel. Um, yeah, it takes a lot of momentum. It takes a lot of energy. And I think I, I have women who joined, joined the team with me. Um, everyone works full-time jobs, so it's obviously kind of get to it when you can. Mm. But I think the more that women join in on the movement, um, the easier, yeah, it's momentum, right? It's like just the, the easier things go. I would love to sell more shorts because I'm obsessed. Like it's the only shorts I wear now. And I think as soon as women just, just wear them once, you get it, right? And you're like, oh, these feel so great. So um, I don't think, I try not to set too many goals in like a very metric sense um but i just yeah want to see that momentum grow and more women join us on events more consistently mm. um and just get keep getting good feedback um and and keep being responsive to the needs of the community like i also had some like startup community in burn heard about what i was doing and was like oh we can help you with this and this and making a business plan and I was like, you know what? I already did that in the past with trying to start this this platform, and I had the the canvas and all these like steps figured out and all these KPIs and blah blah blah. And I just want to really live it and go with the flow of things and see what are the people asking for. This year, we also did a retreat, so that was like a more intimate thing. We did a weekend together, and we organized all the stuff. Um, and just, just see what works and what doesn't and just enjoy the, enjoy the process. I try not to set too many expectations for myself because it's also a hobby. Um, but yeah, now we started also this little, I don't know if I should also call it a podcast, but this like little YouTube series where I want to help create more content. Um, that's always a challenge. Like how do I continue to scale my efforts and create content as, as you know, and I think what's really important for me is that everyone who lands upon our page or or whatever it is, Instagram, can find themselves in there somehow, whether they be a bike or whether they be gravel or whatever, or they're new or they've been doing it for 10 years, that they feel like some part of it connects to what I'm trying to do as well. So 
yeah, I don't know if that really answers. Like, I don't have like a list of three goals or something like this, yeah. but it's kind of no. A, no I mean, you you hit all the all the points, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess um, w- one thing I wanted to say about goals, right? Is kind of growth itself is not a great goal, right? You need to focus on yeah. the on the on the process, right? That's the same as focusing on winning the gold medal right yeah. you need to that can't be the goal right the goal yeah. needs to be to execute as best as you can and follow the the principles that you set out for yourself yeah and then the the growth or the medal or whatever it is 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 the is the, the natural conclusion of of that process i think what's really hard for me is i am like a big feeler and instead of looking at some kind of metrics i just think of like does it feel like we're on track? Does it feel like... And it's also probably partially because I'm very much leading the show a little bit. So I, I only have to have that dialogue mostly with myself. We do kind of like check-ins as a team and these sort of things when events are happening. But the overall progress is is internal to me. So I... Yeah, it's and it's a totally unlegit way of assessing the process or mm. whatever growth you want to call it. But yeah. And same thing with, with the content, it's, it just has to, people are like, Oh, what are you going to talk about? And I was like, mm, I don't know. Like, I just want it to feel right. <laughs> yeah. Like try having a relationship with me. <laughs> like, what do you want out of the show? Well, I just want it to feel good. <laughs> <laughs> it's very non-tangible and non-actionable, but yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, you mentioned uh, the 24 hours of shirts. Yeah. Wow. How, how was your experience? Maybe for two minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's also highlight. But I don't know if I necessarily put that under like Ride Roar explicitly. Um, but it was a bit of a platform for that, for sure. So, yeah, I had actually, I mean, I've done mountain biking as a child, like uh, this and that. But I never really got into mountain biking. And then Lucas, my partner, was going to maybe sign up with his brother's. And I just heard about this for the first time and I was like, oh, what a stupid idea. 24 hours riding around in circles. So dumb. Must do it. (laughs) Yeah, no. And then I looked at the results from previous years and I was like, oh, there's no women. And there was a woman who had done the solo who had done like three laps and came in second place. I was like, okay, how hard can it be? Fast forward, got a group of six women together, um, learned how to ride a well, I don't even know if I can say I learned how to ride a mountain bike because my skills are probably that of like, well, a four-year-old or something like this. Mm. But I got comfortable enough that I felt like I could do it. And yeah, we, we did the race in this in this group of six women. And gosh, I tell you, like that no sleep was the killer for me. Yeah, as I said, we'd made like a YouTube video series following the evolution of everything. Um but for me, like physically, my legs were all right, but um, the no sleep was a disaster. And then I tried to drink a ton of coffee and then I felt super sick and then I started crying. <laughs> and um, yeah, but it was a lot of fun with the girls and you get to know each other, as I'm sure you experienced as well, yeah. in like a totally different level at three in the morning. The like real shit comes out of people. Uh. <laughs> all the tensions you have. Um yeah. Yeah, but that was tough too, like from a leadership position, because I it was kind of my fault that everyone was there. And then when it came to choosing like sleep shifts, so we did two groups of three and then they would go to sleep. The first group of three would go to sleep from 10 till two and the other group of three would ride and then we would switch. And I can't fall asleep easily. So my right. preference would have been the later group from two to six. Um, but there was another girl who was like, oh, I would rather have that. And then I was like okay, I have to shut up and basically just take the bullet on this one because mm. that's, I felt the responsibility for that. And then, of course, I didn't sleep for a second. And I don't know if you guys had the DJ there. Was oh, there yeah. a part? Fuck. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, we, we did an entire debrief episode on, on our experience, but uh, I think we were lucky that uh, we were relatively far away from the main, oh. the main area. Um. And I think I just fully accepted that I'm not going to sleep. And then I'm, you know, I went in super rested. So yeah. like, okay, we just came back from holiday, two weeks, okay. you know, sleeping eight, nine hours every night. Pretty cruisy. I, I knew I could, I could deal. I mean, I can deal with little sleep. And then, yeah. so I accepted and embraced it. And I maybe had to lie down for like 20 minutes. Um, I think Bryson tried to sleep. Uh, Yeti tried to sleep. But yeah, just little, <laughs> no. little, little bits here and there. Um, 
but yeah, it was, it was a cool experience. It was a cool experience for sure. And I think that's what like, had we, we planned to sleep or we hoped, you know, everyone brought like super nice bed setups and all this stuff. We had such a sick tent. Mm. So then when I wasn't getting the sleep, that was super hard. And then yeah, just the DJ, the bass pumping, and then the radio, or not the radio, the like announcer guy yeah, comes yeah. on is like, this person's coming through the finish line. And so I laid there for two and a half hours trying to sleep, and then I was like, okay. Well, at it. least they, for at least for us, they at least had a, a break between, I think, 10 or midnight until 6 or 7 in the morning where the announcer wouldn't, oh, wouldn't really? talk. Oh, yeah. really? No, no, yeah, we had them. I guess maybe that was feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <exactly. laughs> maybe they watched the video where I was like, <laughs> swearing profusely. All right. But yeah, I think if, same, I don't know if I would do it again because I really need to sleep. Like, I can't, I don't function well. But it, I also would do maybe a group of four. That mm. was like our takeaway too, that the six was like a little bit, um, yeah, hard to get into like a rhythm properly. Yeah. And and we also had girls that would just do one lap mm. and then some girls wanted to do more. But then you have like an uneven, yeah. yeah so, it's hard to plan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because that's why we started, we... we our base plan was to do four laps yeah. and then only if something would not go great, as in, let, let's call <laughs> it by the name. If Bryson would fall apart, yeah. then we would change it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, that, that actually, you know, that helps. So to, to, to have a plan and kind of, <clears throat> because then that allows you to, because then you know, right, if he's doing four laps, he's going to be roughly an hour. Therefore, I know I have like two, three hours that I can, yeah. can chill out and stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and we were the only women's team. That was really cool. So there were like some little girls that were volunteering there and they came up to us and they were like, wow, you guys are like all girls. So maybe they were racing. I, sh I should have looked into that this year. Mm. But um, those are also kind of like those little moments where you feel super proud. And there was also a woman there like on the course. I guess they changed the course this year, but there was a woman there who was there all night long cheering for every single mm. person. And then when I was super sleep deprived and not feeling good, when I would ride by her, I would just start crying because I've, it's so powerful. Like that mm. shit really hits you. I uh, don't know. Uh, yeah. No, we had the, the party tent out on the field. Yeah. That was like, they were partying hard all night and until the rain started in the morning, but uh, then, it was, yeah. then they packed it in. Okay. But, uh, but that was really good. Yeah. Okay. Right. We haven't talked about you. Um, so <laughs> tell me, contrary. tell me how you fell in love with cycling. <laughs> I'm so used to the conversation we had at, at your place. I thought you were going to ask how I fell in love with my partner. Um, no, that's for another day yeah. when I have him on. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Some cross-referencing facts. <laughs> oh, I think truly fell in love was coming to Switzerland because just, wow, what a place here. The roads are just so amazing. Um, should I wait until this guy passes? You hear the helicopters flying, practicing their twists and turns. Um, I started cycling like as cross training um, for rowing, but in Canada, and I mean, you know Canada a little bit, the roads for road cycling are super lame. Like you have, I don't know, 20 kilometers of a straight line, and then maybe you have a 90 degree turn. Especially where you are from. Yeah, yeah. yeah BC you, is a bit better. True. Okay, true. Yeah, like on the islands and stuff, you yeah. have a little bit of like those rolling hills. But in That was my benefit, road cycling in BC. Was, okay. uh, at least I had that, not yeah. just straight for 100 kilometers. Okay, that's true. And I've, I've only been able to like go on one or two rides there, so I yeah. don't have that much experience. But yeah, a lot of it like or in being in Calgary, it's probably the first time I got on a road bike properly. And there it's just you have to ride out of the city and you ride in a straight line. Maybe you make a square and you come back and that's it. Um, so it was purely like, what's the, what's the right word? Like I was just using it as like training. Mm. Um, and then when I came here, it's just like, wow, it's so beautiful. And it becomes something more than just training. Like yeah. I think now, usually, obviously, like I, I still love to be trying to stay fit, but it becomes more about like, okay, what new road can I find? Or um, what view can I can I challenge my way up to? So yeah, it definitely has a different purpose for me now. And um, it helps living here is probably the one of the best places in the world. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely stunning to, yeah. to, to live around here. So it's central Switzerland around Lake Lucerne, Vierwaldstättersee. Yeah. There's like some of the 
nicest vistas I think in the whole country. Yeah. Certainly when you're high up on the hills and look down on the lake and <clears throat> excuse me. Um so yeah, so it's 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 really beautiful. I can easily see how that um how that makes you fall in love with uh with cycling. Um you mentioned it rowing. Yeah. I know the I know the details. But but so yeah. Luke and I we had a long long drive and oh, he yeah. gave me the rundown a little bit. And uh, it was not just a little bit of rowing. Okay. It was you were trying to get like to the pinnacle of the sport to the Olympics. Yeah. I don't want to hear the rest of the details, but what did you take away from rowing and the experience to try for the ultimate level of competition? And uh, how did what did you take away from that to cycling that you're using in cycling today? Oh, I think it's not going to be maybe the answer you would. <laughs> would want like I don't have anything about yeah determination and and all this stuff I think it's it's more just like learning to enjoy the process um yeah I think you just you just have to have fun sweating and suffering and and take each session as like an opportunity to to get to know yourself um, you get in a boat or on the rowing machine or on the bike and you end up having a conversation with yourself, maybe not literally or, or even in your head. Um, but the challenges that you face and the, the soreness of the muscles or whatever it is that comes your way, steep climbs, rough waters, legs are blowing up. It's, it's really just, um, a trigger for a conversation with yourself and, and ugh, not what am I made of? It's actually probably the opposite. It's like, what, what are the things that make this feel harder than it is? Or it just, it opens up such a can of worms. And I think that's so beautiful. And I think that's what I love also when we're talking about falling in love with cycling, like it's such a similar process when you're on the bike and, um, getting in, getting in deep, getting in steep with yourself. And yeah, that's, that's the connection for sure. And also just being a leg dominated sport and cycling, being a leg dominated sport is fun that I can kind of open up the cannon sometimes. Um, but yeah, and it's funny because before I started rowing, I started rowing very late in life, like in university. And before that I was ski racing Alpine and this is a completely different sport um, type, right? You have like really short, <laughs> relatively short, like one minute races compared to rowing, which is like seven minutes of hell. Yeah. Um, and so I think in a lot of ways, rowing prepared me for cycling now, which I hope to do lifelong. Um, and it created that transition because before when I was skiing, I couldn't sit on a bike for more than an hour or just maybe intervals. But um, now I've learned to be patient in the movements and in the sport and yeah, enjoy that that journey instead but yeah, I think that's uh you say that uh, much more eloquently than I could ever say it <laughs> um yeah that inner dialogue is uh is, is I think what uh attracts a lot of people to mm -hmm. to the sport and I think I, I grew up as a swimmer mm. and there it's even more prevalent because you're alone in yeah. the water yeah and it's just you and your thoughts. Yes, you don't have the, the outer element of like, okay, choppy waters or, you know, crosswind or whatever mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. is, right? But you're just, you're alone with yourself, with your thought, with your, yeah. the feelings, the, the stuff that happens in your, in your body. And it's just, uh, that, is a, that is a really good training <laughs> and preparation for, for yeah, so what, what awaits you in cycling. And I changed to cycling and it was late in my teenage years. Mm. And uh, just followed the same kind of approach um, <laughs> in terms of training that I was used to from swimming, which yeah. is a sport that's dominated by just massive volume yeah. very early on. And uh, and yeah, so I had a lot of time to to really think about what I'm doing. And uh, but I yeah, even that. to this day, it's a uh, it's beautiful. Um, what uh, what does rowing do better in terms of community cool. and culture that uh, that cycling could learn something from? 
not much. Sprung I think that, <laughs> sprung that on you. I don't think yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like, uh, to be honest, like, I think traditionally, and I'm not a historian, obviously, but like, I don't think traditionally rowing has been that super inclusive. It started off as a super elitist sport. Oh, I guess cycling maybe too. I, I don't know no, the history. Completely no, completely the other oh, way. Oh, really? Completely okay. the other way. But now it's become elitist. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it started off as kind of like the super... Well, actually, who knows in like ancient Greek, whatever. I, I don't know the full thing. Um, but then it also ended up expanding into like the workers and all this kind of thing. And I still think now, because a lot of cycling is done in like the UK or in the colleges. I don't know that it's super, you know, like Ivy League colleges doing their rowing. And I I don't know that the culture or the community has set that much of a good example. Um, I don't think the sport has that much diversity. And it also, now I'm being pretty negative, but it also excludes a lot of people who may not be like the physical specimens that rowing asks them to be. Like I just had Janine here the other day and she faced a lot of barriers in her sport because she was 10 centimeters shorter than the average woman Mm. and a lot of people wouldn't give her a second chance um, because of those things so I think uh, I wouldn't say rowing has that much to to offer (laughs) like that's so negative but I think I think cycling's on a on a better path in terms of diversity and inclusiveness and it's also a lot easier to access as a sport, right? Like, yeah, you sure. have to get a bike, but you can just walk out your door and, and cycle. And that's why I don't row so much now, because I would anyways have to ride my bike to the rowing club. Um, and <laughs> then I'm already on the bike, so I may as well just go for a <laughs> bike ride. So, yeah. But, I mean, it's totally beautiful. I don't mean to, like, to bash the sport, but I think, like, as an institution, it is... Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's 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 not the easiest necessarily necessarily to get into, but it is a great lesson for like teamwork. And when you get to row in big boats with people, that's pretty amazing um, because you you have to listen to what other people's bodies are doing and and be synchronous together. Mm. And when a boat runs well with with eight people in there or or nine with the coxie, then that's super magical. Um, so you always have like I don't know if you guys ever had those old posters in your office that would be like teamwork and then there'd be a picture of rowing so it's very much like this epitome of of you cannot fight against the other person you Mm. have to work together otherwise you're not going to go um so maybe that's something from the sport itself that you know learning learning to work as a team and read each other's cues and learning how to communicate with just your bodies or that's that's really special about the sport for sure getting to mm. know each other and but in cycling unless you're on a tandem bike i don't know <laughs> well i guess you can liken it to riding in the peloton or riding yeah, in a breakaway yeah, yeah. and kind of being in in tune what's happening around you obviously there's a lot of different elements in cycling that go into that as well right in terms yeah. of tactics and all that but i mean i guess if if let's say the peloton works as as it should but it's just this unit that moves along in a fluid and efficient way yeah. then uh, then it's kind of similar to when a a rowing boat of, of eight people with a coxie is kind of uh yeah doing its thing yeah or maybe like when you guys ride those marathons and in, in pairs and stuff like i've yeah. heard people talking about some challenges with riding with someone you've never you know you sign up for a race and then you need a backup person to come in mm. Uh, but I've never ridden with them and I don't know what their style is. And I think what's so hard to do and for sure in rowing and for sure in other things in life is to give, oh, like, how do I say this? Like to not do your way of doing things, but yeah. to to compromise or to do whatever. That's so hard because you're like, I feel like I'm doing it the right way. I've been doing it this way for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. It's faster. It's more efficient. You should adapt to me. Mm. And it's so freaking hard to say, no, you know what? I think the best thing is I'm going to adapt to you or we're going to adapt to each other somehow. Oh, that's yeah. like, that's insane. And if you can do that, then you can do anything. Probably. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the best teacher for um, throwing your own agenda out of the window 
uh, our kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just don't, they don't really care what you want in yeah, terms of, yeah. so I mean, you know, you need to be a little bit more flexible in terms of, you know, yeah. whatever you wanted to do, achieve for that day or whatever, right? So, and certainly if you then try to bring them into cycling. Yeah. Yeah, but as an athlete, that's super hard, right? Because you've been like perfecting your craft for how long? Right. And then someone comes who does it completely different than you. And you've had coaches who've been telling you that's all wrong for this this amount of time. And you have to kind of, yeah, as you said, throw it out the window and yeah. do what's best for the team. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, we have uh, a new tradition on the podcast um, where we ask our previous guest to... You know, submit a question for our next guest oh, without yeah, sure. without knowing um, who they are, and we have a great one for you. Okay. Um, it's been asked by our former guest Darren Mace, and he wanted to know what have been your toughest cycling moments. Twenty four hour race. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I can't believe we're at this point already in the discussion. I was going by quickly. I don't think, I don't think I can pinpoint one moment. I mean, I've bonked like so many times, you know, I've, I've hit the wall. Um, actually one time, like after the 24 hour race, we had planned to go on holidays after. And I thought, oh, what a great time to do some like passes. And what, what is it like? Albula and the other one, like to make this... Uh, uh, the one that aren't Davos, Albula yeah, and Flula. Yeah, we planned to do this like the day yeah, that's after. That's a tough one. I had to get off the bike and literally lay down, similar to Bryson. <laughs> Bryson's story. And that's never happened to me before. And I was just like, the world went black. I was just so trashed. Mm. Um, but that's just like a stupid thing because I didn't sleep, right? I think, I think in general, it's always like me against me out there. Um, so if I'm having a day where I'm being kind of like harder on myself or not believing in myself or fear, fear comes in a lot. Like when I was learning to ride the mountain bike and, um, just like super simple things, like a single, single track. Wait, is that what it's called? I'm totally going to embarrass yeah, myself. Single trail. Okay. Single trail. No, is that right? It sounds yeah. wrong. Well, you could say single track or a single trail. I mean, it's, okay. we all know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, but Let's be more inclusive. <laughs> yeah. Let's not get hung up on like stupid yeah. distinctions between like what we all mean. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, the trail. I feel so welcome. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like stuff like this. I just, I couldn't even, even if it wasn't like sketchy, I couldn't, I couldn't ride it. Like just head games coming into the whole thing. So for me... I don't think there's one moment that was like the most difficult and it's just this constant thing of breaking through whatever anxieties or whatever self-doubts I have. That is the challenge and the beauty of it. But um, yeah, learning to mountain bike last year really brought that stuff forward because I have a lot of self-doubt, I realized. Um, mm -hmm. You get really comfortable in doing things and road biking, it's pretty easy to get comfortable or like I love climbing. So things that other people might not be comfortable with I, I I enjoy but the stuff where you're clicked in and you gotta like for example this is embarrassing like your listenership is going to be all all pro bikers but like I can't even I can't even make a turn on a mountain bike like when it's a trail that turns <laughs> I literally have to unclick one foot to like put it as an anchor yeah. depends how tight it is okay if it's like a slight curve foot out flat out yeah as they say <laughs> yeah. Is that what they say? <clears throat> yeah. But that's probably for like being hardcore yeah, yeah, yeah. and not the opposite. No, it's, yeah, like, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, you know, if you get around the turn, you're doing it right. Yeah. That's my, yeah. <laughs> my take on this. And that's my problem. So, right. yeah. Yeah. I think just like these constant little things and being, believing in yourself and being like good to yourself when things get hard is, um, is the biggest challenge, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Two follow-on um, things I want to tack on. When, obviously, you have great opportunity to get into mountain biking and mm. learning from a, you know, certified soon-to-be <laughs> MTB yeah. instructor and guide advanced. Um, so that should be easy to get yeah. into mountain biking with Luki, uh, your partner. Uh, but the second thing, obvious question for me, what is your, your bonk? What is your bonk remedy? Your favorite? <sighs> 
my gosh. It kind of depends on the day and what I've been already eating throughout that day. Yeah. Um, like if I've had a ton of sweet stuff, like bars and stuff, then something like salty is really sweet. Like if I come home, I love to crack open a bag of chips and just dummy <laughs> the whole thing. Oh, that's the cure for a lot of things. Oh, yeah. And like kind of an ice cold lemonade, um, any kind of drink. Yeah, like an ice cold drink is so clutch. What I really miss I mean, I wasn't cycling much in Canada, but what I really miss from Canada is like Slurpees. I don't oh, know, yeah, yeah. like slushies or whatever yeah, yeah. you call them here. Oh, like a, I don't know, a cream soda. iced so drink. Yeah, yeah like a, a literally like ice, a, yeah, icy. Yeah, it's like crushed ice drink, basically. Yeah. yeah, that I would love. But I mean, yeah, an ice cold lemonade does the trick. Um, I don't know about, I mean, I love ice cream in general, but I don't know if that's like gonna cure my bonk yeah i think it's more like a good drink and mm. something probably oh, you need salty. sugar fast yeah yeah that's true i don't yeah. know how do i deal with it's funny because tara knows um depending on what kind of snacks i had to throw in what kind of ride it was and oh. if i say like oh it was a, i had to get a coke and she's oh, like oh shit. really oh Ooh. was it that bad <laughs> it's like uh, yeah. or in the summer i like uh, i like um you yeah, know have you ever seen the the rocket um Ice frozen cream. lolly things yeah yeah those are also great yeah because they're like sh water and sugar yeah yeah that's true yeah that would do the trick actually as well but i think for me i'm not that diligent like if i, I mean i don't drink coke at home but if i wanted one i would have it so it's not like that much of a special special i oh, know it's purely for the sugar not yeah. because I, i'm craving yeah. it or yeah yeah it's more like you know there's x amount of sugar per per unit but i'm just saying like i don't think i would have that same d conversation when i would get home because <laughs> i can also not be bonked and uh, get that ice cream or whatever yeah, you know it's so. more like a treat yeah it's yeah like, I, I achieved what i wanted what i set out to achieve today so i'm going to treat myself to a nice cool lemonade or whatever it is yeah yeah well i would do it anyways but yeah <laughs> <laughs> you don't you. discriminate <laughs> no no and that's also uh, something i really think is an important conversation to have is um, a lot of the times when you get into cycling, I think you think, okay, I, I can eat more now or whatever. And I, I love cycling because of that. I can kind of, gives me a big appetite, let's say. Mm. And I know a lot of the time, especially for women, um, days that they don't get to ride, they might like very intentionally limit that, um, which, is, which is also fine that you kind of are taking care of, you know, you like to watch what you're eating. But I think... Um, a lot of the time I've heard women saying, oh, I, I'm not going to eat any sweets this week because I don't have a lot of time to cycle, um, stuff like this. So it's so important to also when we're in recovery to like fuel, fuel oh, yeah. our bodies. And I think it in cycling, like it's, it's shocking. Some of the things people don't eat on their rides. Oh, geez. It's, it's frightening. You so, should ask Luki. I'm sure he has like some gnarly stories of like training camps where they're trying to cut weight and everything. It's insane. I mean, I've heard... Salad and sleeping yeah, pills. Yeah. I heard last week a friend of mine joined like another small group's training camp and they drove to like Girona or something. And she said in the car, everyone was just eating salads. And you're prepping for like a week of cycling and yeah. they're just eating salads. And she was like, had a huge tub of noodles and she's not even a professional cyclist, yeah. but she's just like, I, I fucking know that I'm going to need this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's kind of really crazy. And, and I also know a lot of women who just cycle recreationally and on one hand, they want, you know, cycling to serve a purpose in terms of their burning calories, fitness, whatever. So they also intentionally don't eat anything during the ride or they're, hey, I tell you, like 80% of the women I ride with don't have anything but water in their, in their water bottles. Oh, that's pro. That's totally pro. In what way? And it's like, oh, that's again, no, one of those prefabricated things, like the culture, hmm. right? It's like, oh, it's a four hour ride. Therefore, I need one 500 mil bidon and I don't need any food. Yeah. I hate I mean, that just so much. moronic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we've we've moved on in yeah in in cycling and understanding of physiology and all that sort of stuff. Right. So, but uh, yeah, some of the stuff is really hard to die. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, people, if if it's counterintuitive, right? Like for me, a big thing I've done is I've even in the first hour of riding, I try to already eat something within forty minutes. I'm already cracking open whatever I've got yeah. with me, 
And for most women, I can just say this, like from observing this in, in whatever rides we go on, that point comes a lot later, mm. um, but they don't understand like how counterproductive that is. And it's so hard because it feels like, okay, I just ate breakfast. I'm not really hungry. Mm. Um, yeah, and I have to force myself. Yeah. yeah. But it's so, it's. Feel the work. If you want to <laughs> also, you know, work on your body shape or whatever it is, it feels so wrong to do that. And I think that's so hard. And I'm super excited because next week I get to speak with uh, an expert on this. So shout Great. out to... Uh, Check it out one time if you're ever. <laughs> am I allowed to promote myself? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh, it. Feel it starts to feel like a good way to end it. And uh, yeah. if there's anything else you wanted to to add that we haven't covered, or anything else we wanted to say. Yeah, I think reach out if you're if you're interested in being part of that momentum that we're generating, um, whether from like an organizational standpoint or just to to join in on the fun. Um, or if you're someone who has questions or, yeah, is starting out in the sport yourself, obviously don't come to me for mountain bike tips. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and check out our channels, Ride Roar uh, Instagram and on YouTube. And we hope to continue to provide value for women and for whoever else is interested. So Sweet. Yeah. I'll put all those things in the uh, in the show notes yeah. um, so people can find it there. Yeah. Um, if people have more questions, when if they want to reach out directly to you, they mm -hmm. find one hell of a Helena. Yes. On Instagram. Yeah. I also put that in okay. the. I also put that in the show notes. I just had to say it again because I love that handle. Yeah, I got <laughs> lucky with that one. Yeah, a friend of mine is Ollie Day Season. That's also pretty good. Okay, his name Ollie. His name is Ollie. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's also good. It's hard to be creative nowadays when everything oh, is yeah, like taken crazy. up. Yeah. yeah. But. All right. Cool. Well, Helena, thank you very much. That was yeah, thank uh, you. super interesting. And uh, yeah, see, we, we go for lunch now, I guess. Yeah, I know. I'm starving. My I hope you couldn't hear my stomach like grumbling. <laughs> yeah, and let's go for a ride. Sweet. Cool. Thanks for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Why don't you let us know what you think? We really like to hear from our listeners. To find out how to get in touch with us, follow the links to our website in the description or find us on Instagram under at Skits and Giggles. Until next time, Skigglers.